Hello and welcome to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap at KFGO.com. My name is Ryan Janke. This is the Thursday, May 11th edition of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. And sitting right here next to me is Corey Litton. I made it. You did. That's good times. You, you only had to call and wake me up once. Oh, it's all right. We're here for <laughs> one another. <laughs> so we have a lot going on. We've got a packed show. We've got uh, NASCAR, the uh, action that happened at Kansas Speedway, including a little little scuffle after the fact. We'll get into that a little bit. I like we, to call it NAS Brawl. NAS Brawl, yep, yep, with the guy with the weird haircut. But we'll get there. <laughs> uh, we had uh, World of Outlaws action, uh, late models and sprint cars. Uh, Formula One was in action. And then we've got some local racing happening. We had local stuff happen. We did. So let's get right to it. We'll start with... The race at Kansas Speedway just this past Sunday, May 7th, the Advent Health 400 in Kansas City, Kansas. That's right. 267 laps were the scheduled distance, and they ran all 267 of them and no no more. No more than that. No uh, overtime. <laughs> Overtimes are done now. Stage number one was 80 laps itself. Uh, pole sitter William Byron led the field to green and quickly jumped out to the lead, but on lap number three, he expect he unexpectedly got loose off a of turn number two and surrendered lead. By the way, that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the whole uh-huh. uh, thing. Was turn two was not good, uh, not kind to uh, many people. Right. Um, that resulted in a three car battle for the lead between Ross Chastain, that guy, Tyler Reddick, and Kyler Larson, that other guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on lap number five. Reddick and Larson made contact in turn number four, which I believe was still Ross Chastain's fault, uh, causing Larson to spin into the infield grass. Larson didn't have any damage but lost all of the spots on the track. Uh, Reddick (laughs) led the field back to green in lap number nine and in a couple laps managed to put a half a second gap on the field. With the previous week's winner, Martin Truex Jr. was coming, Truex Jr. caught and passed Reddick on lap number 29 and brought Denny Hamlin with him. Pit stop started on lap 38, and when they finished on lap 42, Hamlin took over the race lead from his Joe Gibbs racing teammate, but Truex Jr. was right back, went right back to that lead uh, during the commercial break, um, which did happen during the commercial break. <laughs> uh, Truex would surrender the lead back to Hamlin, though, with 10 laps to go in the stage, and Hamlin would hold on for the win with Truex Jr., Ty Gibbs, Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez, Christopher Bell, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, and Kyle Larson, by the way, who went all the way to the back, made it up uh-huh. into dead last for the uh, stage points in that one. Made it to 10th. Guy yeah. was crazy on Sunday. Yeah, all scoring uh, stage points. I wish I would have kept track of how many cars he actually passed throughout the day. <laughs> that that number would have been insane. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. <laughs> that takes us to stage two. Yes, there were 85 laps. Uh, the stage break meant pit stops. And just like the end of stage one, JGR teammates Hamlin, Truex Jr., and Gibbs led the rest of the field out of the pits. The race resumed with Hamlin in the lead on lap 89, but Truex stole the lead back on the next lap. The duo continued to trade the lead for many laps as Kyle Larson climbed through the field, making it up to eighth by lap 100. The caution came out on lap 109 when Austin Sendrick got into the wall in turns one and two. That brought everyone to pit road where Bubba Wallace won the race off pit road, followed by Ross Chastain. Guy's got a great right hook. 
Martin Truex <laughs> Jr., Ty Gibbs, and Kyle Larson rounding out the top five. Chastain jumped the restart, but Wallace quickly regained the lead. Truex Jr. was on the move once again, taking the lead from Wallace on lap 119, while Larson moved up to third. Larson made it up to second, but the caution came out for the fourth time on lap 138 when Eric Almirola spun off turn two. That brought everyone back to pit road, where Larson won the race out, followed by... Truex Jr., Hamlin, Chastain, and Wallace. Larson led the field back to green on lap 144, but the yellow would come out, come back out four laps later when Eric Jones spun on the backstretch. Not related, but happening at the same time, Ty Gibbs and Josh Berry got together with Berry spinning out. Larson led the field back to the green on lap 154, but the fifth caution would come out on lap 158 for Christopher Bell spinning off of turn two and hitting the inside wall after he could not control his car. That, <laughs> what? That, that brought out a lot of the leaders. That brought a lot of the leaders back to pit road where Ryan Priest won the race out, followed by Bubba Wallace, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr. rounding out the top five. Joey Logano, Michael McDowell, Eric Jones, Noah Gregson, Chris Busher, A.J. Allmendinger, Todd Gilliland, Brad Keslowski, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon all stayed out to improve their track position and possibly score some stage points. Kyle Busch was spun on the lap 163 restart, which brought out the sixth caution and an end to the stage with Joey Logano taking the win. Michael McDowell, Noah Gregson, Eric Jones, A.J. Allmendinger, Chris Busher, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Kyle Larson, and Denny Hamlin all scored stage points. That takes us to the fight to the finish. I couldn't have titled it any better. No, you couldn't have. <laughs> So all of the cars that stayed out during the previous caution took to the pits with uh, this time, which uh, which put Kyle Larson back into the lead for the restart with 98 laps to go. With 91 laps to go, Ty Gibbs spun off a turn two, bringing out the seventh caution. Gibbs barely touched the inside wall, so that kind of messed up his left front tire. Which uh, you know, some dirt track guys are like, "Oh, just leave it at home. Uh, you don't need <laughs> you don't need your left front tire if you set it up right." Um, <laughs> but he had his right front tire shred. And that ripped up, ripped up the fender and caused him to spin into the pits. Uh, Larson led the field back to green with 84 laps to go. Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, they fought with Larson on the restart, with Elliott taking the lead briefly there with 80 laps to go. With 77 laps to go, Harrison Burton spun out in corner number two, bringing out the caution yet again. Pit stops followed, and winning the race out was Kyle Larson with Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, William Byron, and Denny Hamlin rounding out the top five. Martin Truex Jr., Austin Dillon, Joey Logano, Noah Gregson, and Todd Gilliland stayed out. So with that lead change, that meant there had been 33 lead changes, which is a new track record hmm. out there at Kansas Speedway. Uh, and there were a lot more after that. So I, I, I don't even know how many there were total. I, I'm just going off of the stat that they put on the screen. Sure. Um, just as a race for the lead was uh, starting to heat up with 66 laps to go, a three-wide battle between Ricky Stenhouse Jr. down low. Ross Chastain in the middle and uh, Noah Gregson up top resulted in uh, Chastain running Gregson all the way into the turn four wall. You can't even this argue is, with that this one. Is, this is pure. I know that's your guy, but you can't even argue with that. Uh, and, and, uh, this is all reporting. I'm a journalist. Reporting. I see how you wrote this. <laughs> 
Hey, I was nice to you on, on your uh, your segment. Uh, both cars were able to continue, but the damage would cause problems for Gregson more. More than that, more about that later. Um, two laps later, Kyle Larson was able to get the lead back from Martin Truex Jr., but with uh, 62 laps to go, Gregson spun off a turn two, bringing out the caution yet again. That's also Chastain's fault. Um that meant every pits- crash, every last one of them. <laughs> that meant pissed off. Hindenburg was his fault. It was. I mean, all the humanity. <laughs> um, that meant pit stops with Larson uh, winning the race out, followed by William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez, Martin Truex Jr. for the top four, five. Um, Corey LaJoy, Ryan Priest, Michael McDowell, and J.J. Yaley all stayed out. By the way, J.J. Yaley used to uh, tag all of his Facebook friends on their birthdays. Really? Yeah, I was. His, I'm a Facebook friend of his. Yeah. Ah, so nice. I, yeah, he used to tag me on my birthday every year on October 15th. Oh, uh, that's pretty cool. Every, anybody wants to get me a present. <laughs> you missed my 40th. Um, so <laughs> that that led the field to green with 56 laps to go. Just a little over a lap later, William Byron took the race lead, and he would uh, trade the lead with Kyle Larson. That was kind of a thing. Like you couldn't. You, you saw a lot of lot of racers like they mm-hmm. take the lead and they couldn't run away for a yeah. while. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, like if they're running the high line, then whoever's running the low line, getting that thing sticking on the bottom, they'd take the race lead. But then the, the other car would catch the draft and then yep. pass them back. It was a lot of slingshot racing. Yeah. Um, rubber band racing, as they uh, used to call that out at Atlanta back in the day. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle, Kyle Larson, uh, he would trade the lead with Kyle Larson for the next couple laps. But Eric Jones would bring out the yellow yet again, spinning out in turns three and four with 52 laps to go. Josh Berry spun as well because there was a... To- a uh, there was a problem in the Matrix. What was that? Because it was the same exact accident that happened earlier in the race <laughs> with Eric Jones spinning out on his own and Josh Berry spinning out. So, weird. Uh, both cars would continue. The race resumed with William Byron leading the pack back with 80, with 48 laps to go, but Larson quickly took that lead back again. Larson set sail in front under the long green flag run, the only long green flag run. <laughs> It seemed. Uh, with 26 mm-hmm. laps to go, Denny Hamlin passed William Byron for second and looked to run down Larson. Hamlin pulled to uh, pulled to within two car lengths of Larson with 10 laps to go. Larson and Hamlin changed lines several times while negotiating traffic. This was pretty interesting. This is entertaining racing, in my opinion. I always like it. It when, was. I it, was. I always like it when the leaders get into into traffic, and yeah. that's how it gets decided. That's that's to me. That's what that's yeah, good it racing. Was, it, it was fun. It was fun watching that. Because it, it shows where the driver has to actually race. Mm-hmm. So Larson was able to put a gap on Hamlin, but Hamlin then rallied back to challenge for the lead again with three laps to go. And that leads us to our clip from NASCAR.com. Denny's there. He's hungry. Can he pounce on it? Nice and light on entry. Denny's moved his entry up really yep. high, getting into three. Yep. Look at the momentum he comes across. If he can keep the nose down, Larson's having just, trouble, too. That's where you got to make your move. This, this, these are those opportunities. What are you Larson do? can't get in the corner very good because he's loose. Clear track ahead. Denny just struggling a little bit off too, but Larson's see he's playing with that throttle. Closest he's been. It's gonna take a dive bomb. Will he go for it? Here he comes. Clear track ahead. Hamlin on the bottom. Now Larson will have the momentum coming off the top. Denny's gonna have to lift again. Two to go. Denny was patient there. Is there still time? Great racing. To be a huge corner for Larson if he's got to keep it underneath him. He's been loose. Two to go, and they will catch more traffic before the checker. That Larson found something on the outside of one and two. Went back up, right up against the wall, rim riding. Likes it up there. Found some speed. No lappers in the way. 
Denny's See, played Denny nice moved. so far. He's played nice so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, off turn four, white flag in the air. One lap to go, sponsored by Credit One Bank. He's going to have one more chance getting into three. That's where it's going to come. He's right to the bumper of him. Take him now. Take him now. He's going to get to him, get him loose. He is loose. Got him loose. He got to wiggling. They're going to be side by side. Look, Denny had to lift. He did. Oh, he turned him. And Larson's in the wall. Oh, my gosh. That was Ross Chastain's fault. Denny. Oh, goodness gracious. Danny Hamlin comes sailing off turn number four. Sure did. To the checkered flag, Hamlin wins Kansas after a fierce battle with Kyle Larson, who finishes second. Took it from him. Literally took it from him. That's pretty uncharacteristic for Denny. No. You usually don't see anybody get Denny getting into anybody. No, he, he played it like a chess game. So, yeah, you, you heard it right there. Hamlin pulled alongside Larson as they charged into turns one and two on the last lap. Larson got the momentum on the exit of the corner, but the two drivers made contact because of Ross Chastain, resulting in Larson hitting, <laughs> yeah. hitting the backstretch wall, and that's all Hamlin needed to earn his 49th career Cup Series win, which now has him tied with Tony Stewart on 15th Woo. in the all-time wins list. Uh, if if there's any doubt on if he's going to make it into the Hall of Fame, yeah, um, that should end it right there. I mean, they, they put in people with less wins and less championships, too. So, yep. I mean... <laughs> Kyle Larson, uh, he held on for second after even you know getting piled into that wall by Ross Chastain. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I was going to leave it alone, but then you yeah. mentioned it. Um, <laughs> then it was William Byron, Bubba Wallace, and Ross Chastain who caused all that, rounding out the top five. Every crash on Sunday. <laughs> every crash on Sunday was the front bumper of Ross Chastain. Exactly. According, according to all the haters. <laughs> All right, the point standings. Ross Chastain is in first. Because he takes everybody out. Whatever. <laughs> in, second is uh, Christopher Bell, who can't control his car. He's 31 points back. Martin Truex Jr., 36 points back in the third spot. Fourth is Denny Hamlin, 36 point, points back. And then rounding out the top five in points is Kevin Harvick, 46 points behind. And in the ratings, NASCAR on FS1 drew a 1.35 rating, which is actually pretty big for a cable rating. Uh, that's a that's 2.352 million viewers. Formula One in Miami drew a 0 0.90, and uh, that is a 1.646 million viewers. The interesting thing about the ratings, though, is that the 18 to 49 de demographic, in that, in that demographic there, Formula One drew 625 thousand viewers to nascar's 430 wow thousand viewers which means i guess the old people are still watching it yeah um yeah 18 <laughs> to 49 i'm like yeah i'm in there still um <laughs> yeah i got nine years yet but uh <laughs> yeah uh all figures were of course uh from adam stern on twitter who i follow yeah he, uh, he seems to know what he's talking about he's got the he's the numbers guy next up is uh this coming sunday the goodyear 400 back to darlington Throwback weekend. Throwback weekend, yes. So that's fun. That'll be a good time. And, you know, that brings up, because there was a little bit of that dust up, mm -hmm. I'm just going to go right into it. The NAS brawl. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Sunday after the Cups, uh, the NASCAR Cup Series race, saw a little skirmish in the pits between Ross Chastain and Noah Gregson. 
let's break it down. All right. I'm going to I'm going to do this to my best Michael Buffer impression. Not Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer. Right. I always I always like the let's get ready to rumble guy better. Sure. Don't get us uh, now he's <coughs> he's got that copyrighted. So don't I'm, get us I'm in trouble here. Use, I'm not going to use that that I'm not going to use this catchphrase. All right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to I mean they already rumbled enough. All right. <laughs> All right. So, the challenger from Las Vegas, Nevada, age 24, height 5 foot 8, weight 130 pounds. He has zero wins, one top 10, and zero polls. His great-grandfather was the longest-serving mayor in Las Vegas history during the mob years. He also has a twin sister. He is the challenger, Noah the Beef Gregson. There you go. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) And the contender, his opponent, from Alva, Florida, age 30, Height five foot nine, weight one hundred and fifty eight pounds, two wins, thirty six top tens, zero poles, a multi generational watermelon farmer, the innovator of the hail melon, the watermelon man, Ross Chastain. Ding. <laughs> All right. So here's the fight. Noah Gregson comes in looking like Billy Madison's best friend who's mad at the people that keep making fun of him for peeing his pants on that field trip. You know, I was happy about that haircut until this weekend. <laughs> now I hate that haircut. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I had a bowl cut, too, at one point in time, but then I, I got out of eighth grade. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So Gregson, he grabs that Ch- a Chastain's fire suit with his left hand, and unfortunately for the, this challenger here, that's where Chastain hides his throw fist button. <laughs> Chastain lands a right hand that pops louder than than uh, heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels when he slaps his leg while delivering sweet chin music. Right there. <laughs> Gregson attempts to fire back with a right hand of his own, but in comes Darius Rucker from the crowd. Yeah, catches, that was crazy. And he catches Gregson's fist like he's Gina Davis in a league of their own. I don't think it was really Darius Rucker, but it sure looked like him. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with Darius Rucker after that one. <laughs> uh, after some aggressive hugging, the fight is over. <laughs> Um, you have to give the decision to Chastain since he definitely landed a clean punch. The only clean punch in there. <laughs> he did. But Gregson did not quit. No, I mean, he if didn't. you go back to the video, you can see that Chastain does kind of put his hands up and he's not held at that point. Yeah. He puts his hands up when he realizes that there are two guys on Noah Gregson <laughs> and he's standing there behind, you know, like he is. Yeah. Um, you know, ready to hit somebody from behind. Yeah. Uh, like he does a lot. Ah, whatever. Um rabbit punch. Gre- Gregson did not quit. No, and he didn't. I cannot wait for round number yeah. two. So that's, was, that's the breakdown I got there from, from it, the NAS brawl. I liked it. <laughs> the fight. I, I like. Yeah, it's, it's, it takes me back to the old, the old, the old days. It does a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I sent you the video where it was shot from behind, not uh-huh. like the NASCAR yep. video of it. And you could hear that pop. Yeah, it when was, he hits him. Yeah, it was right in the cheek. And just <laughs> yeah, Noah Gregson. Just continued to stay mad. He, he, yeah, he's probably still mad right now. So, yeah, and it was... I don't uh, think his bowl cut ever moved to the right part of his head again after that hit. <laughs> no, it spun a little bit. Uh, um, the, uh, we're not going to play it here, but if you get online, you can find... Uh, I saw it on NASCAR's Facebook page. Uh, Kyle Petty, actually, of all people, broke it down a little bit and uh, why you should be loving Ross Chastain. I Which, liked it. I thought that was hilarious that he said that kind of stuff because he was the biggest whiner of his era when people <laughs> drove dirty. You know, to his <laughs> to his credit, though, uh, and again, you, you 
You can go online, find it. Just, uh, I don't know what you would search. Uh, Kyle Petty uh, discusses Ross Chastain, whatever. It's like a two-minute video. But he, he goes on to talk about how uh, Chaz, he sees in Chastain that same fire in the belly that uh, the, the, guy, the old guys had, like uh, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. And, he's, and he says in that little video, I never had that. That's the only honest thing he said in probably <laughs> probably thirty years. Um, other than that one time when he was talking about Darlington and said that if he if they were to fill that thing full of water and stock it full of fish, he'd probably not catch anything. <laughs> that's funny. So. You no, know, if that was Danica Patrick, he would have been absolutely lighting her up. Uh, so because I know I still remember there was a couple times where there were there were some incidents involving Danica Patrick, and he had. He absolutely lit her up in that one. So I, I'm wondering who paid him to do that. Because <laughs> it seems like he was paid. It, it was very infomercialish. It did. If you listen to his delivery alone, yeah. it sounds like yeah. he had a uh, script. And, and now the pocket fisherman. He wrote it out ahead of time. That's all right, though. <laughs> it's more scripted than our show. <laughs> all right. Okay, we move on to our winter views portion of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap Podcast. We have Mark Dobmeyer on the phone. Mark is the driver of the number 13 Buffalo Wild Wings Sprint car. He is from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Mark, welcome to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Mark, uh, you've, you've had quite the career already in uh, in, in your life. Uh, 266 total wins, I believe, is what I got from the uh, statistician superstar, uh, Mike Speaker. Um, <laughs> He'd be pretty accurate. He's kind of spot on, and he's on point on everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I know, like, 144 wins at River City Speedway alone. I mean, that's pretty awesome out there. Uh, I mean, just for for one to start start off with on that one, I mean, what kind of got you into racing? Um, well, my father raced before I did, um, cause I was growing up, he was always running, uh, sprint cars and he actually started in late models, worked his way up to, uh, sprint cars over the years. And then he spent the majority of his career in sprint cars. Um, he's always kind of a, a local racer here in Grand Forks and with the NOSA organization. Um, he got me started young, I guess you could say I was six years old when I tried to start racing go-karts and uh, apparently he had to be eight. So like the first time I showed up at the track, they sent me away cause I wasn't old enough. So Came back when I was eight and then uh, started racing go-karts, had a lot of su- success there and uh, won several state and track championships. And then uh, when I became a I don't know, senior, I believe it was, in high school, I was your average C student before that. And uh, he kind of threw a carrot out for me. He was, at, he was at the point where he was traveling a lot with the disabled American veterans. Um, so he wasn't going to be able to make all the shows. So when I was a senior, he threw out the carrot that if I got on the honor roll all four quarters, he'd let me take over the sprint car full time. So. All of a sudden, I turned into a good student somehow and got on the A on the B honor roll for, a, <laughs> for all four quarters and uh, took over sprint car racing from there. And then uh, it kind of uh, kind of was a snowball effect. I guess I started running locally and running here right at River Cities and the NOSA group and uh, started winning quite a few races. We we're always looking for, you know, what's the next thing to do or the next step. So started going to Houston Speedway, and then we started winning a few races there in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then uh, kind of snowballed. We started going to Knoxville and then uh, started winning a few races there. So kind of uh, just kind of snowballed, just kind of kept kept, kept that ball rolling and uh, kind of kept everything going that we can and then managed to pick up a few outlaw wins and a, a few big shows over the years. So it's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun and uh, still haven't accomplished my number one goal, which is to win that, uh, that uh, World of Outlaw show here at River City Speedway. So 
that's uh, that's probably number one on the list for me nowadays. So uh, you're talking about Houston Speedway and your outlaw wins. I believe you have three outlaw wins, uh, two at Houston Speedway and one at Wilmot, Wisconsin. Um, I was mm-hmm. at I was at one of those uh, outlaw wins out at Houston's, and that might it's still one of my favorite races that I've ever been to in my life. Uh, later on in the race, <laughs> uh, you. Uh, Mike Speaker and I went to that race too. Uh, we uh, we got there late, so we had to sit in front. And um, you took the lead from Sammy Swindell late in the race, and you were at the time racing for a team that was owned out of out of the area, I believe. And uh, and having a ton of wins out there, I think you're looking for your seventy first or seventy second win out there. Um, you you uh, when you took the lead, you know the the whole backside of the hill behind us like you we could feel that like we could feel the crowd oh, yeah. going crazy on that one um that was like this one of the coolest moments i've ever been involved with uh in racing so what you what you explained right there is the exact reason while while i raced i guess it's just for the uh for the thrill of it you know when you have a good run and things are going good it's it's absolutely amazing the feeling that you can get so definitely uh definitely not a money-making proposition but what what you explained right there is the 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 actual reason why why I'm still at it and uh, still having fun with it. So pretty cool. And, and, you know, so racing at river city speedway mainly, and then Houston speedway also, I mean, do you have a favorite between the two of them? Because they're both very unique and very, very uh, crazy tracks to race at. Yes. They they both have their own characteristics. Um, I I honestly don't have a favorite between the two of them. They're both kind of number one on my list, I guess. Um, you know, River City Speedway doesn't, uh, the biggest difference is River City doesn't have a wall, uh, but it's so wide. And when they have that track uh, prepped just right, it can be so racy. You can have a top groove, a bottom groove, um, and you can you can rip the lip or you can just n- nip around the bottom and you can have pretty similar speed. So it gets, it's very racy. Um, and Houston Speedway, you know, it's it's got that wall around the outside that just holds that cushion. So, um, I mean, even if it's, if it's dried off, whatever, it seems like there's always something up against there. So you can kind of rub on the wall a little bit to get some extra traction and whatnot. And it's, uh, they just got their own characteristics, but at the end of the day, they're both kind of, kind of top on my list, I guess. So this year, our primary focus, um, is, is Houston Speedway. Um, I think I won five or six track championships there. And just after these injuries, and everything, I want to get back and, uh, and, uh, kind of show my speed that we can have there and whatnot. We figured out a lot of things last year and kind of did a lot of learning. So um, tried a bunch of stuff, and uh, I think we finally come across some stuff there towards the end of the year. So looking forward to get back there and try and, do, uh, try and win that track championship again. And uh, between that and the outlaw winner, kind of the two number number one things on my list this year. So you, you talked about the injuries there. Um, I, I know uh, you, you had an accident out at the Cedar Lake Speedway over a year ago um, that – that sidelined you for a while. What happened in that one? And, uh, uh, how are you doing with that one? Yeah, that one's doing pretty good. That was uh, roughly about three years ago. Um, had an accident, a world of all event at Cedar Lake Speedway and, uh, went flipping down the backstretch and it really didn't look like that bad a wreck. But what happened is the last time that it hit the track, it came down completely flat. Um, when the sprint car does that, it bottoms out the suspension and the frame hits the ground direct. Um, because there's no no angles or odd odd bounces, you know, to absorb the impact. So it just landed so flat that the the, the frame took all the all the brunt, and our seats are bolted directly to the frame. So there's no cushion once once you're once you're at that point. There's no cushion. So there's a big shock, and I burst fractured my uh, my L4 vertebrae, and I fractured my L3. So um, I was uh, very very close to paralysis and all kinds of stuff. 
Um, fortunately, we had MedStar uh, safety crew there from uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they extracted me um, absolutely perfect, so we didn't get any further damage. And they got me to Regions Hospital in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, and they're well known for back surgeries. And Dr. Mack took over from there, and uh, he he gave me an absolute awesome surgery. And uh, we did a fusion, so three, four, and five in my lower back are all fused together with kind of rods and pins. And uh, that that set me aside for a whole year after that. I'd take a whole year off of racing. So it was tough to sit back and, uh, and sit in the stands once in a while or try different stuff out. But uh, we got all recovered and healed up, and then we came back at it full time uh, full time last year again. So and what- it was uh, like I said, it was kind of a kind of a building year last year, a learning year. You know, we uh, as I was out for that year, we put a few different guys in the car. In fact, Sammy Swindell, you mentioned earlier, he jumped in at one point. Um, Tim Kading, uh, Dominic Selzy. Um, we had a couple guys in there just to fill in for the big shows, you know, when I couldn't, when I couldn't be there to try, try keep some sponsor recognition and stuff like that going. So, um, but yeah, so then we got back at it last year and kind of used that as a, a building year. We, we learned a little bit working with some other guys to try different things. And we basically, we, we kind of had a, a smorgasbord of setups, you could say last year that we kept trying to work on stuff. And towards the end of the year, we finally started getting some good speed. I mean, throughout the year, we had we had wins. You know, I won one at Houston's fairly early. Um, you know, a couple wins at River City's and some notes of stuff. Um, but we, like, we weren't uh, as dominant as we were, but we were trying a bunch of different stuff. And towards the end of the year, we really picked it up and, and uh, pulled off some big stuff at the end of the year. We did, uh, like, the back row blazing challenge at River City Speedway where we took a challenge and started dead last and uh we picked up the win just by uh milliseconds i guess you could say at the end and then uh, we also won that bull haulers brash in uh in sioux falls which is a big pay and uh, prestigious race with uh Falcons brothers so yeah it was uh it was a kind of a uh a building year i guess you could say but i'd say we we achieved our goals by the end of it we were uh we didn't win the championship or anything like that but we had our speed back and we're right where we need to be so so, uh, fast forward a little bit here to your most recent injury. You were down in, I believe, uh, Casa Grande, Arizona, uh, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a race that you finished, but what ended up happening to you? Well, we, uh, well, it would, the, the race never technically finished. They just, they called it a, uh, called it a race because of, because of my injuries. Nobody really knew what was going on. And I don't think they had an ambulance there in time where they find, and it was getting late. So I think they just called the race, but. Uh, long story short is we had a, a fuel leak in the engine compartment of the car, um, and it was kind of slowly leaking onto me a little bit. And I felt a little bit of coolness on my right leg about two laps before all this happened. And I, I wasn't sure. It felt like methanol, but I wasn't quite sure. And I ran a couple laps, and I didn't feel anything else. And then all of a sudden, it got it got really worse um, in in corners one and two. So. I was uh, still up at speed, so I, I knew I had a fuel leak at that point. Um, I was trying to pull off the track and get out of the way. I was going to do it down the front stretch so I could go by the EMTs and the, and the crew and all that and uh, just get it shut down and uh, kind of get out of there, so to say, before we had a, had a problem. And as I was coming around three and four, uh, the yellow flag came out for somebody on the other side of the track. And when that happened, a bunch of cars slowed up in front of me, so I had to get out of the gas and slow up. And when you get out of the gas, the, the exhaust will pop a little bit and kind of flame out the uh, the exhaust pipes. And as soon as I got out of the gas, that happened, and it, it lit the lit the fuel up that was in the in the cockpit in the engine compartment. And uh, after that, it was a uh, I guess it was just uh, driving a fireball, you could say. Um, but I, uh, I I heard the, heard the wolf. I knew what was going on, and I, I think I made all the all the correct decisions. I got right to the bottom of the track to get out of the way of the cars and. I spun it into a 180 to get stopped as fast as I could, and 
I unbuckled and jumped out of there and I just started rolling on the ground and uh, they said I rolled for about 150 feet. It was, uh, it was a little bit of time before the safety crew got to me. Um, I don't know if they were distracted because they, because they had the car that was spun out on the other side of the track or what, but um, that's kind of one of them deals. So I, uh, the problem was I, was, I was, my leg was, had some fuel on it. So it had the, uh, the, the fire had the ignition source right there. So um, I was rolling around, but it wouldn't go out. It was like, you know, it was a dried off racetrack. So it was like rolling around on concrete, basically trying to put a fire out. There was no grass or nothing to kind of, kind of muffle it. So it took quite a bit of time, but we got the fire out. Um, and, uh, after that, it was kind of, it was on from there, I guess. They, uh, they got me in, uh, in kind of a makeshift ambulance at the track. And then, uh, eventually a real ambulance got there and then they took over from there. Um, then they actually airlifted me out from there and got me right to a burn center. So, um, but I got burned from the knees down, um, second and third degree burns. Um, so they had to take several skin grafts off my right upper thigh and, uh, put them over my shins and, uh, ankle areas, I guess. And on my right foot, they had to graft both sides of my right foot as well. So, oh man, uh, but yeah, that's, that's one of the, <laughs> the biggest fears obviously for a race car driver to have is to be involved in a fire, uh, when that thing went up, I mean, what, uh, I, how, for one, how does like time move in that situation there? Like how, I, it, how it, long? It's, did it's it... kind of weird. Like it, I, I knew what was going on and I just, um, I don't know if something took over and you just, I didn't panic. It was kind of, uh, it's kind of one of them like nightmare situations, I guess that I was, that I didn't wake up for the, for the nightmare part of it, but, uh, it, uh, I just, uh, I, I think, like I said, I made all the right decisions. I just, uh, I didn't panic. I held my breath, so I didn't breathe any of the fire in and uh, got to the side and got stopped as quick as I could. And even on buckling, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to do it methodically. You're trying to get out as fast as you can, but at the same time, you kind of got to do it methodically a little bit because if you get tangled in your belts or something, you're stuck, you're not going to get out of there. So even on buckling in the fire, I just kind of unbuckled and, and uh, just jumped and threw the belt to the side and then jumped out as fast as I possibly could. But it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of one of them weird deals. But uh, fortunately, I got to a good hospital there in, uh, in uh, Phoenix and uh, had great, great uh, medics there that took care of me. And then uh, they did some skin grafts there. And uh, I was there for 10 days. Um, after that, they were willing to sign me out or I was, I was willing to do enough stuff to prove to them that I could uh, make it home, basically. And I uh, got, got on a, a first-class flight one day and uh, got back to Grand Forks. Um, after that, I had to go, go to Minneapolis for all my burn care on there. And as soon as I went down there, they immediately said right away, more skin grafts on the foot. So we uh, went back down there for a couple more, for one more surgery. And then after that, it's just been the, uh, been the recovery time. So how long of a recovery time are we, uh, are we talking about here with having those burns like that? <laughs> Well, our timing was about, uh, about as, as, uh, I don't know. It's, it's timed out pretty well, actually. Uh, it takes a long time. Um, burns, burns, uh, they're extremely painful and it's just kind of a, kind of a ongoing, uh, ache or agony and just doesn't go away at the end of the day, but it takes a long time for the skin to heal up. Um, but once it's, once it's sealed, they say, you know, so your, uh, your skin is sealed over, there's no more scabbing or any of that stuff. Um, then you're, you're pretty much where you're going to be. And actually like almost to the day, you could say like today, last night I, I do dressing changes every night, um, with my, with my leggings and all that kind of stuff. And last night you could pretty much say that I'm completely a hundred percent sealed up. Now I had, I had a little bit of, uh, 
open sores on the side of my left foot and they uh actually like pretty much just finished getting sealed up in that so um so i'll be able to the plan is to be able to start racing on friday tomorrow here at river city speedway and then uh hit sioux falls on sunday and hopefully uh hit the ground running and get right back to her well and that's uh that's incredible too that uh, that you've healed up so well and so quickly out there do you have any issues with like range of motion or anything after the after the burns oh definitely there was a, there was a lot of that um um did a lot of PT over here with uh, Power and Sanford Fitness at Red by Shields here in Grand Forks. Um, Amanda there took care of me, and uh, we've been hitting that two to three times a week and kind of blasting that out. When the, the last graft surgery, they had the foot uh, kind of – they did one one side of each of the right – both sides of the right foot, and then the Achilles tendon area is what got grafted. So when they were done, they didn't want me to move for a week, and they had my foot kind of in, you could say, throttle down position, you know, kind of pointed down. And it was wrapped up, so I couldn't move it So um, for a whole week. And then once they took the, the wrap off, they're basically like, yeah, go ahead and move it. Well, it was stuck that way for a week. So I, I could, to start with, I couldn't even lift up my foot. Um, so it just took a while to get that, that range of motion back, I guess. But it's, uh, it's finally got there and uh, kind of got the skin loosened up. Obviously, the skin from all the burns is really tight in the ankle area um, where you got all that motion. So... I've uh, been using a lot of lotion, a lot of PT, and uh, things are things are just finally starting to come around now. The last three weeks, I've had a lot of progress and uh, feel to the point where I'm comfortable enough to uh, give her a whirl and have some fun here again. Well, some people say that you really don't uh, lift up your foot anyways when you race. Um, <laughs> as fast as you are. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have a little problem burning up tires once in a while, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're you're in the middle generation of a three-generation racing family. You have uh, your, your two boys are racing too, right? Yep, yep. So my uh, I got both my boys started in go-karts. Um, now you can actually start at the age of five. Uh, so at, at uh, right at the Forks Guardian Association up here in Grand Forks, right next to River City Speedway, and you know that that's the best place that uh, anybody can start racing. To be honest, um, it just gets you all that that seat of the pants feel and kind of get used to everything. But um, so I got them started racing at five, and uh, they're both going pretty strong. And then last year, my my youngest guy kind of came to me one night. He goes, "Dad, I don't want to race." So he took he, he raced for the first half of last year, and then he took the last half of the year off. But he was uh, he's battling some uh, acid reflux and some some asthma issues, and I think that was that was what attributed to it. So we got that fixed, and it sounds like he's probably going to give her a wool here again this year. So yeah, it's a and- lot of fun. It's a it's a, it's a lot of work at the same time, but it's uh, it can be enjoyable work. You know, if you're out at the shop pretty much every night, you know, the kids can come out there and hang out and have fun and and uh, tear around and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's a family a family event, a family thing, and uh, so it makes us stick, I guess. Another cool moment that I got to be a part of was after you had your first, uh, you, after you had your back injury, uh, um, like the week after that, I, I filled in as the announcer out there at the, uh, at, at the, at the racetrack up there in Grand Forks, the, the go-kart track. And, um, your son won like literally that week, right after yeah. your, uh, your, your, your injury. And, uh, I thought that was one of the coolest things ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, I'll never forget that. That was, uh. Probably one of the one of the most uh, rememberable nights um, <laughs> for for a few reasons, but uh, you know that was during COVID too. So there was all kinds of rules at the hospital. So actually, when I was sitting there for that a uh, little over a week, I guess, in at Regions the first time, <laughs> my wife could only come up to the hospital for one hour a day. So because of COVID, they said and whatnot. So it was kind of kind of frustrating. I sat there a lot, just staring at the wall. But so that night, 
um, he, we had bumped him up to a, a higher class that year and we'd gotten a few nights in and he was doing okay. He didn't pick up any wins yet, but he was kind of right there. We're gaining speed. He was right on the edge of it. And, uh, so that night in the hospital, um, my wife came up for the, for the hour, of course, and sat there and watched the races and a little, uh, little turd won all three of them. So it was kind of cool. It was really fun. So. <laughs> Well, <laughs> the, well, nurses, the nurses were trying to kick my wife out and we were watching the races. So we, we talked them into a little extra time that night. And then, uh, then she got booted out and, uh, I'd been sitting there for, for, I don't know, four or five days already and hadn't had a shower or nothing. And there were some, uh, some fun nurses that night. So we had a, we had a good time. We took a shower right after that and then, uh, woke up to more crap in the morning. So it was, uh, it was an entertaining night. You could say that. <laughs> Well, well, Mark, thank you for taking some time with us here uh, today on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap here in KFGO uh, and KFGO.com. Um, do you have some uh, people you'd like to thank here quick? And uh, who helps you out along the way, especially, you know, with your recovery and, and uh, of course, you, uh, your crew and sponsors and everybody like that? Absolutely. First and foremost, of course, my family um, that puts all the time and effort into it and uh, keeps all this thing going. So my wife, Jackie, and both kids, Jackson and Ty. Um, I got a extremely hard working crew that's been helping me out along the way. And whenever, whenever I'm down and out, they're right there to take care of whatever I need, whether it's something in, something in the yard or anything. Um, uh, Ethan, Ethan and Wyatt, uh, Billy, Aaron, Steve, Travis. I got a whole bunch of guys that help out my father, uh, my father, Mike, and uh, just a lot of people that pitch in and help out for what we need. And then uh, of course we couldn't do this without the, uh, without the help of our sponsors, uh, first and foremost, Buffalo Wild Wings, um, who also ex- extremely stepped up to the plate in this whole deal and helped out a lot with uh, with hospitality and getting uh, getting my wife and, and friends where they needed to be to take care of stuff here and take care of me. So um, with Todd and Susan Hayes of Buffalo Wild Wings, um, Belster Motors, the Kalb Steed, Kello Trucking, GOB Transport, Snap-on Tools with Steve Arnold up here in Grand Forks, uh, Dave Lundstra, um, who is the the guy that actually, when you were talking about the outlaw one, that's who I did race for back then, and we're still great friends, and he helps me out a lot throughout the year. In fact, he just got me a couple of fire suppression bottles the other day, so <laughs> I figured that'd be a good thing to put in the car. <laughs> um, K-Star, K-Star Egg Services and uh, Lean Packaging, uh, Daniel's Clean, Clean Service, all these guys uh, are what uh, helps me get out here every week, so appreciate them. All right, and so uh, if you want to check you out on on uh, the social medias, you have Mark Dobmeyer Racing on Facebook, and you also have that on uh, uh, on Twitter as well. And you do have a website, markdobmeyer.com. That's D-O-B-M-E-I-E-R.com. Um, Mark, thank you for taking some time with us here again today. Uh, we really appreciate that. And, you know, best of luck. You're going to be uh, racing on Friday here for the season opener, and uh, we definitely wish you the best of luck. You bet. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. You bet. Have a good one. Yeah. All right. Moving on to World of Outlaws. They had late models and sprint cars running uh, last week, Thursday, May 4th, and Friday, May 5th. We'll start with Thursday. That seems like the right place to start. Yeah, let's start a little. We'll start at the beginning. Uh, sure. Sounds sounds. Sounds good. Uh, Thursday, May 4th is Dareland Showdown, Mississippi Thunder Speedway in Fountain City, Wisconsin. It's supposed to be a three-day event, but unfortunately, the rest of it rained out. Mm-hmm. Uh, qualifying feature number one on, on Thursday, May 4th, Jake Tim led 24 and three-quarters laps but the in the first qualifier, but made contact with, the, uh, with a lap car that took him out going into turn number three in the last lap. That handed the win over to Brendan Shepard with uh, Stormy Scott and Shannon Babb rounding out the top 
three. Qualifying feature number two, a great battle raged among Brent Larson, Kate Dillard, and Bobby Pierce at the midway point of the qualifier number two. But that ended when Larson and Dillard got together, causing Larson's car to nose into the backstretch wall. Clearly Ross Chastain's fault. Exactly. Dillard ran away to take the win with Pierce finishing second and Nick Hoffman taking the third spot. Unfortunately, rain forced the cancellation of the rest of the weekend's events, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and that moves us to the sprint cars here Friday, May 5th, and Saturday, May 6th. It's the Let's Race 2 at Eldora Speedway in Rossburg, Ohio, the very famed racetrack, Tony Stewart's racetrack. Friday, Logan Schuard had all he could handle from Rico Abreu on Friday, but managed to take the win with Abreu finishing second. Donnie Schatz finished in the third spot. Donnie Schatz was there. He had a chance to win it, but uh, just just came up a little short. Yeah. Saturday night, that's night number two, saw Abreu having his hands full with Donnie Schatz for the last half of the feature with Abreu getting his third win of the year. Schatz recorded his best finish of the year so far, and David Gravel finished in the third spot. Yeah, Rico Abreu is having like the best outlaws year that he's had in his, his entire career. He's now working out with Brad Sweet, hmm. uh, and it's it seems to be working out for him. So uh, yeah. he's... It's too bad he's not running a full season with them because he'd probably be right up there in the in the national points right now. But yeah. uh, Wednesday, May tenth, was the Lincoln Speedway in Abbottstown, Pennsylvania. The Concrete Kid. That was last night. Uh, the Concrete Kid, Anthony Macri, threw him over his shoulder, as they say. <laughs> um, he bolted that car to the top of the racetrack in the last couple of corners and ran around Brett Marks uh, on the last corner to win on Wednesday night, getting uh, to win the Gettysburg Clash. Brent Marks finished in that second spot. David, David Gravel finished in third. Donnie Schatz finished in 11th in that one. All right, and so the point standings now. Number one, Brad Sweet is 2,514. He leads the way. Second is David Gravel, 24 points back. And third, Carson Macedo, 28 points back. And Donnie Schatz is in the sixth spot right now. He is 180 points behind. And by this time last week? He was in ninth place, way more out than yeah. that. Uh, those, so that just goes to show you three, de- two to three decent races can really kind of eat away at that uh, that whole thing. Yeah, uh, it's a long season. And uh, this weekend, they are back in uh, PA Posse land. Uh, They're Friday, May 12th, and Saturday, May 11th, Williams Grove Speedway, Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, bucket list track. All right, then we move on. We had some Formula One action on Sunday, May the 7th. They were at Miami Grand Prix. Yeah, they're right in uh, right in America. Mm-hmm. The first of three races that are, are going to be held in America this year. Okay. Uh, last week's winner Sergio Perez took the lead at the light, but the Red Bull te- his Red Bull teammate Max Verstappen made short work of the grid. By the time that the pit stops uh, started up, pit strategy put Perez back out front, but Verstappen would regain the top spot with ten laps to go. Built up a five second lead over Perez and a twenty second lead over Fernando Al- Alonso at the end of the race out there. So that was. That was a big, big, uh, big run away from there. Yeah, it was. Uh, Apparently, he does not like losing to his teammate. (laughs) Uh, Point standings in the number one spot is Max Verstappen with 119. Sergio Perez is 14 points back in the second spot. And in third, Fernando Alonso, 44 (laughs) points behind. I'm going to do my best in this one here. Uh, What's next? It'll be uh, Sunday, May 21st, (laughs) the Italian Grand Prix Autodromo Enzo Dino Ferrari. at Imola. Yeah, you know, it, that one. That's the track that, uh, unfortunately, we lost uh, Ayrton Senna oh, uh, in 1994. So, sure. Yeah. All right. Hey, that brings us to some local racing. That's right. We had a local race. Woo! 
Mother Nature let us do this. On Friday, May 5th, uh, I-94 EMR Speedway season kicked off out there in Fergus Falls in the street stocks. By the way, it's good to be someone interviewed from this program um, because <laughs> I'm looking at you can look at this right now. And the first two people that we talk we mm-hmm. talk about, first two winners, they all came from interviews. Well, I mean, they did other things in their life, too, before this. But uh, <laughs> but they have all yep. sat down and had some time with us here. But going into the street stocks, the Ripper Ryan Satter drew the number one starting spot in the feature race. The, this year, supporting uh, sporting a tribute paint scheme resembling his father Mike's 1991 Wee Town Outlaw Speedway Sportsman Track Championship colors, which I think is awesome. That that just brings me back to being a little kid. So I love love seeing that. Satter had a hard fought battle with the redheaded rebel Scott Bins for the first couple laps till the Ripper broke free with the assassin Kyle Anderson following closely behind him. A caution slowed the field with three to go, which allowed Jeff Ekdahl to challenge for the lead, but Satter was able to hold him off for a career win number 104 over Jeff Ekdahl and Kyle Anderson. Yeah, that moved us to the Midwest Modifieds, the wild man, Nate Ranke. He jumped out to the lead on the... Right on the drop. Right on the drop of the green and never looked back. Ranky outran the likes of former Wissota national champion, the nightmare Lucas Rodine, and Mike Nichols by almost four seconds for his first win of the year. And uh, well, it would be everybody's first win of the year, I guess, now that I figured that out when I wrote that, or after I wrote that. But, yeah, Mike Nichols, was, if you might remember uh, from the Wissota 100 last year, rolled his car really bad. And somehow they got it back together, and he made the made the main event, and I think he got into the top five uh, eventually. Wow. Uh, the newly named uh, the Gen X late models, the class formerly known as the limited late models, were next, and Diamond Dave Moss could not be stopped. Moss outran Ben Walden and Scott Zimmerman for his 578th career feature win. Woo! You know what's weird about that? It's not even not even enough. <laughs> he, di- he didn't even have the most wins out of everybody competing. In the Super Stocks, the Ironman, Shane Sabraski started third and was able to take the lead from Trevor Sauer after a restart on lap number two and cruised for the remaining 18 laps for the feature win number 826. That's it. Over Trevor Nelson and William Lund. In the late models, Josh Zimple looked to have the race in hand early but suffered a part failure right away on lap uh, mm. number two. Just ended up having to pull into the infield. That handed the lead over to Cole Schill. Bryce Ward caught Schill and took a shot at the lead in the last set of corners, but Schill was able to fight off Sward and outran Cole Searing for his first career I-94 EMR Speedway win. Yeah, and that took us to the Modifieds, the race of the night. That went to the Modifieds where Lee Gross and Dustin Strand raced side-by-side in traffic, trading the lead several times. Gross won the drag race to the line for his first I-94 EMR Speedway win over Dustin Strand and Shane Sabraski. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, 826-some wins. I guarantee you he has over, like, 3,000 second and third place wow. finishes. <laughs> How many top fives, yeah. Uh, Good yeah. grief. He's, yeah, one of the best. Um, and uh, that rounding out the night was the short trackers where Matt Dittman passed five cars in the first three laps to take the lead and looked like he had it all won at that point. But a caution with three laps to go stack the field back up. Dittman took the low side. But Peter Martin went on the high side and stole the win in the last two corners uh, with Dittman finishing in second and Travis Olofsson finishing in third. All right. That took us to Dakota Speedway, the Mandan Meltdown. 
The sport co- sport compacts were won by Chris Yost, hobby stocks by John Gartner Jr., legends by Preston Martin, street stocks by Hunter Damagala, and modifieds by the big show, Jason Walla. And you did say that right. You did say Hunter Damagala's name right, but mm. it could be a little bit better. It, we got to go with another friend of our show, sure, Larry McFall's way of saying it. Have the greatest name in racing, Hunter <laughs> Damagala. Now <laughs> <laughs> we got to give an attaboy out to Fargo's uh, Timmy Tortilla Estenson. Okay, um, he went down to to uh, California, Missouri, which I mean, even trying to read that myself almost makes my my head explode. <laughs> but at the Double X Speedway Sunday night and scored win number one in his uh, his first win in a 410 sprint car. Awesome. After having well over 100 wins in a legend car and and uh, probably even more than that in a go-kart. So, yeah, All right. great well, job, Timmy. Yeah, boy, Timmy Tortilla. <laughs> All right, so what's happening? All right, so Thursday, May 12th, as what we have right now, and I just got a notification as we were doing the the as we finished up with the interview with Mark Dobmeyer here, oh, um, I don't have a breaking news sounder. River City Speedway has canceled their Ooh. season opener for this weekend. They're going to move it back a week. So Thursday, May twelfth, right now, all we have going on right now is Red River Valley Speedway test and tune in West Fargo, and then uh, the I ninety four EMR Speedway driver meet and greet. They're going to bring so they have the tracks built in basically a bowl. Okay, and they're going to bring the cars up basically around the crowd. Okay. And you can go around and you know meet and greet the drivers and stuff. And oh, it's nice. one of the cool things. That's going to be at seven o'clock on uh, Thursday, May twelfth. Then we're going to move on to Saturday, May thirteenth. Viking Speedway, the fifty eighth season opener, Midwest Modified Special in Alexandria, Minnesota. Start time six thirty. The North Central Speedway in Brainerd has a six forty five start time. This is all on Saturday, May the thirteenth. Uh, Ogilvy Raceway, UMSS Sprint Cars at 6.30, and then Devil's Lake Speedway, NLRA Late Models in Crary, North Dakota. That is a 7 o'clock start time. And then Sunday, May 15th, only a couple of things going on here as of now. I, I, I just checked as uh, as we were going through this, too. Uh, sure. Casino Speedway is still on for Mother's Day season opener in Watertown, South Dakota, 6.30. And Granite City Motor Park Mother's Day special with vintage modifieds in Sock Rapids, Minnesota at six o'clock. All right. Well, there we have it. Action packed episode here. Uh, um, thanks again to Mark Dobmeyer for coming on. And hey, you remember, you can check us out anywhere you find your podcasts. You can go to kfgo.com and you can find Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lab podcast. And don't forget, Every Friday morning, that includes tomorrow morning at 6.40 on 7.90 or 104.7 KFGO with the KFGO Morning Crew. Corey Litton will have the fastest five minutes in racing. That's right. We timed it last week, and it was four minutes and ten seconds. So, yes, definitely fastest five minutes. That's very fast. Quick time. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.